This is Tobias Rose. I am the principal and the creative director here at Complex Creative, and you are locked into Conversations. This is our podcast that we we do on a semi-annual basis, on a bi-weekly basis, and sometimes we'll do it twice a day. It just depends on how I'm feeling. So I've brought a couple of friends of mine here, and what we're going to do is we're going to freestyle it. So this is a new kind of segment for uh, Conversations where I bring in just random friends of mine, and we talk about topics that are that are super important right now and me being who I am I would like to put it on a a, a local lens but I know that we're probably going to uh, veer off of that into a couple of different directions so uh, because my friends are so dope um, and because they do so many things I want them to introduce themselves so so John uh, I have John White here John can you tell the people who you are and what you do John White uh, I do all things politics man so just enjoy politics local state federal Lobbyist. I have the pleasure of dibbling down over in Raleigh, a little bit in DC. Um, so, yeah. Thanks, man. And Chris, what about you? I'm Chris. I'm the principal of Smart Black Woman Consulting. So, I do a little everything involving risk management and operations, uh, currently with a focus in cannabis, cannabis research, cannabis legislation. Nice, nice, nice. So, what I wanted to do, what I like to do, and I realized this when I had W in Atlanta. Um, my friends are smart as hell and y'all know that we've just sat around and we've chopped it up about random topics but you know when we do that there's a lot of game being dropped and um i didn't realize how uh, important that game is to some people until i had a few people just listening in on random conversations that i was having with my friends And, and john that's happened to you and i when we were out at, at Alley or whatever, we'll just be out talking and people will come up and they'll just immediately get engaged, hence conversations. So we just had a really, really important meeting here and I don't want to talk about it on the air because we're still doing that work. But John, I wanted to catch you because to me, a lot of people in town, they see you as just this political guy, this guy that knows politics. You know, you've done some lobbying, you've worked at the chamber, you know, you're an oil man, you've done some stuff in, in uh, at the state level but you know the thing that I, I think you are and no one realizes it but you are I don't want to say a social justice warrior that's probably the, the horrible word for it but you have a, a lot of a, a huge influence or not influence but I guess you, there's a lot of social justice um, in some of the work that you've done in the past do you see that so do I see social justice in the work that I do? Yeah, I, actually I do. I think that's a that's a interesting uh, piece to lay on, lay on the table. I, you know, I don't look at it through the lens of social justice I necessarily. I look yeah. at it through the lens of of business via uh, social justice via business. To be honest with you, so uh, for me, uh, independence, uh, financial empowerment, financial independence is critical to any. Uh, campaign, if you will. And so I, I, I guess, you know, what I look at is I just see I, I like independence, you know, and I, and I like people who can um, see themselves doing the work that they enjoy doing without having to feel like they're dependent on other people in order to be able to fulfill or be fulfilled. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. How does that play with regards to poor people? And I and I say that because I feel that people who, who don't have, um, you know, those high net values, people that don't have that wealth, they don't have the cars and all that kind of stuff. I feel like sometimes they're they're forgotten about. 
Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, the, the beautiful thing about politics is, is that, you know, money is something that is very important, but it is essentially a game of of um, uh, 50 plus one, a, a game of who knows who and how you can influence just your own political network and your network overall uh, to be able to influence policy, whether it be at the local, state or federal level. Uh, obviously, it gets a little bit more difficult as you go up the ladder. But the bottom line is there's a saying in politics that all politics are local. So the most important realm of politics is really at the local level because it impacts you financially um, uh, from an infrastructure standpoint, from a from a service standpoint. All of these pieces are really felt at the local level. So if, if a person doesn't necessarily have the means but has the desire, you know, that's the beautiful thing about politics is that you can honestly flex that muscle so heavily in a way that you can shift campaigns. It's been seen, it's been done, it's been heard nationally everywhere. Do you think that there is a, a conscious effort to... Um, de-emphasize the importance of local politicians so that a select few um, will understand the power that, that, that they have in regards to those local uh, policies. I, I don't know if I would say I think it's an effort to de-emphasize local politics. I think it's it's uh, politics is seasonal. So, you know, during presidential years, you have the campaigns that are going to be popular driven by the presidential ticket that allow for people to be reminded that, you know, it is a political cycle in front of them. In off-season years, you know, it's not as um, it's not as it's not front front of mind. So, you know, we, we have to kind of do our own work and kind of trying to help you know remind people that it is 365 every every single day of the week and, mm -hmm. and that it's important for all of us to continually be engaged um I, I i don't necessarily think it's it's something that people are driving but i think it's something that we need to try to help remind each other on but why is it that we can't be that intentional on those off years you know the fact that we refer to those things as off years yeah. is a problem you know absolutely because for example, I've gone to City Hall and I've seen things pass that you're going to see. I've seen things happen in terms of, of what they vote on that you are going to see happen in Durham. Your kids are going to be affected by it. You're going to be affected by it. But you don't see that on TV. You right. see what's Trump doing right now. Let's talk about let's talk about the privilege of having an off year mm -hmm. in relation to the people that we're talking about. Poor people. I don't have a day off from the circumstances that I create my life from. Touché. So I'm not going to only think about this. We're a lot of times painting this in the opposite direction of uh, people who have locus and agency not being a part of their political process because they're not the focus of the conversations of these processes. It's not political for me who I operate with where I live especially if I'm utilizing a social service. Well, that's even more reason why I should my daily be, life. you know. But then it also goes into what we were talking about earlier about all politics being local and right. where poor people are heard and what happens when you don't have the money. We are the money. Mm -hmm. Like, all capitalism as we know it, all enterprise as we know it, all money theory as we know it is based on dead black people and the removal of indigenous people from their land. So why is it that we don't see this is something that's important this process this process is a a process that that our ancestors fought over they yeah. fought for the right we can't even say that this is a privilege they fought for the right, right. 
Disenfranchisement starts with information. Where did it happen? Access. Oh, desegregation. I think desegregation had a lot to do with it. And, you know, I've had this conversation with my family and my, my mother and my stepfather in particular. And my stepfather's from Baton Rouge, uh, Louisiana, and my mother's from Eastern North Carolina. So two very prominent places where African-Americans migrated. Bottom line is during desegregation, after desegregation, um, we, we became comfortable. Mm -hmm. and we became exposed to things that we were not exposed to. And so, you know, of course, you let your guard down. Yeah. But let's look at uh, the point you, you raised earlier. It's a popularity contest. Let's not be let's not forget that fact obviously yeah okay so during a popularity contest it's going to be driven by what ultimately i want you to see not what you need to see and the reality of it is going back to to, to the point chris made is that at the end of the day you know this is something that shouldn't be in cycles this is something that should be reminded about uh on a consistent basis and on a daily basis more than anything else i used to run a nonprofit. And, you know, it was for helping young people understand 18 to 29, you know, what the value of politics is in their lives. Right. Mm -hmm. Not a get out the vote initiative. OK, I want to be right. very clear about that. What I would go up to young people and say is, is that, OK, do you vote? Let's say, no, I don't vote. I'm not old enough to vote. OK, well, let me ask you a question. So, you know, are you engaged? Do you keep up with what's going on? No, I don't keep up with what's going on. OK, well, let me ask you a question. So what do you like to do? I like to play basketball. What do you like to play basketball? I like to play basketball down the street of the park. OK, I like to play basketball at the street of the park. Who owns that park? Well, the park is owned by, I don't know. I said, well, let me tell you, the park is owned by municipal government. Do you realize that? Yeah. I said, and guess what? They have a plan to build some houses and some condos over there on that park, and you won't be able to play basketball. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, the conversation, the mood, the eyes, the, everything shifts, and it's like, really? That's the kind of reaction we have to get from people. We have to literally find that sweet spot within each one of us that we actually care about. So that ultimately it'll drive us to want to understand more about what it is that we have had our ancestors fighting for. Why is it they don't teach this in school anymore? Because if you care, then you'll have something to say. If you'll so, have something to say, then you may take an action. You may influence something. So that goes back to my point originally. Do you guys feel that there are, are um, entities that are trying to, to hold that back? I'll say you said they that's why I'm, I'm asking well as in there is there doesn't need to be an actual they to the they okay. the things that I know are the things that I know because I have asked mm -hmm. and I have learned and what has made me learn something is I have an experience something that gives me nuance I have a question that I want answered right so uh, how, and so it comes from your your circumstances like okay. Paying attention to whether or not there's a basketball goal down the street. If you want to be a, more aware of what that process is, when you go play basketball, do you notice that the sign has information on it? It has a name. There is a little C with a circle around it. That means somebody owns something that's more than just the park. Mm -hmm. When you have intellectual property, there's information. Think about how many times we download an app or you hear an article come out about how this thing that you've just downloaded opens your information up. But right. there, and then there are the folks that go, well, I don't have anything to hide. I have been black my whole life. So I know what it means to, to experience joy and have this dead feeling come instantly after where I think something's about to come around the corner and mess up my joy.
So, so it, I learned rules so that you can't mess with my joy. Is that keeping people away from politics? Absolutely not. People are keeping themselves away from politics. And, and that is it. We have to learn to ask the why question more yeah. often. And even if you don't ask why, I'm not out here telling everybody you got to become a philosopher. But once you start learning how to do something or how it impacts you or how it impacts someone that looks like you, loves you or is next to you, then your whys will start aligning with it. But how you got here, how you reach this conclusion, how you don't see yourself as valuable or as a participating member or as a collaborator in a space or a place. So, all right, I like that. I don't like that, but <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't I like it. that, but I like it in terms of, right. of, of it being a thing that I, I want to talk more about. Invisible We're doing people, it now. Invisible like, people, that, I, that piece of it. I see you and I hear you and you're across from me. You are my friend. We have a relationship. You have knowledge. You have talent. You have gifts. You have understanding. You have relationships. That's right. So when we sit across from each other and go, hey, I see you. And you're sitting across from me, which means you have to see me. You are no longer unseen or unheard. Now what are we going to do? We're but why is it? Th- see, that's the problem that I'm having right now, and I'm going to be clear about it. Uh, the issue that I'm having is, uh, you know, obviously in the news right now is McDougal Terrace. Right. Yeah. And, and I drove, I, at my office used to be, what, a block away from McDougal Terrace for seven years. And so... You know, there are people that I know over there and, and there are things that have been like been the way that they are. And uh, I guess we have gotten complacent as a country with the way people are treated when it comes to those particular services. Yeah. You know, uh, there there is no reason why they should be invisible. You know, we're right across. Like you said, I can see you. You can see me. Yeah. We can drive through the projects and I can see all those people living over there. Yeah. But for whatever reason, when you look at the facilities, when you look at the way that their houses are looking, when you look at, at their stoves and the things like that, it makes no sense that the city and the county and the federal government is supposed to be responsible for that. And we have gotten used to these places being substandard conditions for people. For those people. For, for those, those people. people. That's the difference. I mean, those I think that you people. gotta you gotta be able to you gotta be able to couch this in such a way to where you gotta understand and break down actually who you're talking about and who you're talking to. Yeah. Okay. And so when you're talking about elected officials and the responsibility that is a shared responsibility, whose responsibility really is that? Because guess what? My, at the end of the day, my question is is who are they and what do they do for me in terms of the position that I sit as an elected official? Those people? That's those people, right? Because ultimately when I look at the numbers, I look at the numbers and I see where the sidewalks go in. I see where the light rail goes. I see where all the systems go that create economic value. And that's the way I pay you back for supporting me, okay? Yeah. And so at the at the end of the day, we're talking about the least of those amongst us. We're talking about services that we take for granted because ultimately we don't have to think about where that's going to happen, how it's going to happen, where it's going to come from, so on and so forth. But when you're talking about people, those particular individuals impacted by this particular crisis, whose problem is that? Because those, while I may say those are my people, are they really my people? 